G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You might be familiar with the words of Jesus when he gave the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Those words in Matthew chapter 28. And when we get baptized, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those words in Galatians 3. So for many believers, we've resisted the idea of being baptized and wondering if the practice is somehow rather outdated or not necessary as a part of our Christian walk. And for others, there's controversy over whether we get baptized when we are babies or if this is something that happens when we are older believers who want to make a public declaration of our faith in Christ. Most churches have some form of baptism, but there's groups like the Salvation Army that doesn't recognize any of what we'd call sacraments. And there are lots of questions that we will be able to explore today. We'll tackle as much as we can with our very special guest, Dr. Brendan Roach. He's the founder and CEO of the Bible teaching ministry called ACTS. That's spelled A-X-X. He sees his lifelong ministry call to teach the word and train people for ministry. And ACTS provides ministry training courses for people who can't. For all sorts of reasons, geography, cost, discrimination or persecution, people who can't ordinarily access them. So let me make a special welcome to 2020 to uh, Dr. Brendan Roach. Brendan, welcome. Hi, Neil. Great to be with you and to be talking about baptism today. Well, what a great topic to talk about because, Brendan, for as I mentioned, uh, nearly all churches do baptisms. I mentioned that the Salvation Army doesn't, uh, but lots of churches do it in different ways and people coming from different denominational backgrounds might be thinking right now, uh, well, how should I get baptised? Uh, where would I get baptised? Who would I even ask about getting baptised? And so a question, am I ready for baptism? This is a great question to be talking about today. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's been part of church history, the, the command of Jesus. I, I, I think that it's probably, obviously there's individuals and groups out there, but it's the one thing that the church universally agrees on, the importance of baptism as part of your spiritual journey. Okay, let's start with some basics, and no doubt we'll get into some controversial ground as we develop things here. But let's ask the simple question for listeners. What is baptism? Uh, if we're taking a biblical view here, what do you say? I think there's three simple elements that we, we see what baptism is actually about. Baptism, the first one is baptism is an important step in your personal discipleship journey. Uh, part of 
where we see our culture and mindset of people going today is very independent. And so baptism is seen as something that's imposed, enforced by some people, but it's an incredibly important part of your personal discipleship journey. The second thing, it's a public declaration of faith. And it's, it's critically important. It's not just a matter of speaking words. But there's something that happens very powerfully in the spiritual realm that actually is when you make that public declaration, which is different from a salvation multiple, you make a public declaration through baptism that you're actually going to follow the teachings of Jesus. And the third thing, which is quite often missed, it actually means that you belong to a community of disciples. You belong to a church, you belong to a community of faith, whatever word that we want to use for that, you're not in a solo Christian existence. So that's the three simple elements, personal discipleship journey, declaration of faith, and belonging to a community of disciples. In some sense, there's symbolism in the sort of baptism we would go through. And I wonder whether we can just unpack that for a few moments uh, while we're talking about making a public declaration for, of our faith. Because uh, in Romans chapter 6, uh, Paul shares uh, some insights into you know being baptized into Jesus' death. And, of course, coming out of the waters of baptism, the idea of uh, resurrection. I wonder whether that sort of symbolism as part of your declaration of faith, whether that holds importance here. Well, that what Paul's talking about there is a really important metaphor of, of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. And and this is, this is why if we have the ability for full immersion baptism, and this is what full immersion is, is symbolizing death going into the grave, going under the water, death dying, going under the water, the burial, resurrection coming up. So we are there in the metaphor that we are one with Jesus. We are dying to our sin. We are, we are, our old life is being buried and gone, and we're resurrected as a new creation in Christ. So that metaphor is incredibly important as to what actually happens through the ceremony of baptism. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly a very important, I want to I say it's symbolic, but it's much more than symbolic. It's actually something spiritually significant happens in that moment. Well, as you're describing that, I'm just thinking of the profound wisdom of God in giving to us a physical demonstration which illustrates the gospel, you know, the death and resurrection of Christ and something that we do. And as we might anticipate down through history, not everyone has had the same sort of literacy that we have. And we could be even in the trap of uh, making baptism some sort of a theoretical thing that you do. And great for us to be able to discuss symbolism. But for every tribe and tongue on the face of the earth, the idea of going into the waters of baptism, of dying to self and then rising out a, a, a resurrection at the end of it. That is such a powerful, profound metaphor and symbolic action that really is just in itself a full description of the gospel. It's just exciting, isn't it, Brendan? Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's absolutely, it's one of, as a, being a, a local church pastor for the best part of 20 years before now, I'm focusing completely on the teaching ministry. But my favourite day this might surprise people, was not when a person put up their hand and responded to Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior. That, that's so important. That's brilliant. But me personally, my most exciting day was when we baptized people because that's when they 
go from some sort of mental ascent decision to this is what my life's going to be. This is my commitment moving forward. I am going to now be a disciple of Jesus, not just a believer of what Jesus said, but I'm going to be a disciple and I'm going to follow the teachings of Jesus. To me, it is the most brilliant thing we do in the church. You know, even as uh, you're describing that, and they are exciting days, and uh, I know when my local church does baptisms, uh, I'm always out there and watching and uh, celebrating and applauding and cheering uh, because there's an exciting thing when people are making a public declaration of their faith. Hey, but we're always talking about this in wintertime. I've just realised that here we are right in the middle of winter and we're having a baptism conversation because a lot of churches, it does seem to me, and you might have your own thoughts here, but it does seem to be that churches do approach baptism. It always happens in the winter months. Perhaps it's the least comfortable time if you're going through some cold waters uh, to actually be baptised, but it does seem to be something that uh, that emerges around winter time. Any thoughts here, Brendan? Yeah, well, I think maybe that has a little bit to do with the, the, the simple mechanics of the church calendar because we as Aussies tend to go into shutdown mode around November. We're thinking about Christmas. It's the Christmas production. It's, it's evangelistic. And then we're thinking holidays in January, February. We're, we're sort of on holidays. We're coming back to church life. And so normally a lot of churches will start to make their announcements in February, March. Hey, we've got some baptisms coming up. And then before you know it, particularly in, in the lovely climates of Melbourne, we're talking about some, some cold weather and, and, and cold water. One of the, one of the things I, I talk about in the baptism course is you can't blame the pastor for the temperature of the water. You're not having a bath. <laughs> yep. And, you, you know, you, you, it's, it's just, hey, and look at Australia, we're, we're fairly, <laughs> we're fairly well, well looked after. I don't think anybody's getting, getting too much out into the river or the ocean in the middle of winter. We're not living in North America or Northern Europe where they've got snow and frost on the ground where they're trying to baptise in the in the outdoor waters. So I think we're doing okay. And, you know, there's all sorts of different places, locations uh, that we can baptise. And we do want to get into this a little bit and unpack some things. And I I don't think uh, we'll be uh, coming with any condemnation uh, to any sorts of forms of baptism, although we might get into some of those sorts of issues. And uh, there's the example of Jesus being baptised, which probably becomes our primary example. But we can get baptised anywhere. And I reflect on my teenage baptism, which was uh, in a baptismal uh, bath at the front of a church. And, uh, and it was cold on the night, as I recall. Uh, but there's also baptisms, and I've been involved in baptisms, in, uh, you know, in, uh, in waterways, uh, in public, out mm. in the open, and uh, wonderful mm. opportunities. And I know in our local church, they've even had, you know, blow-up swimming pools uh, where we've mm-hmm. had people going through the waters of baptism. Uh, all sorts of different ways you can do this, and the symbolism stays the same, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, I've... I've baptised, I was on a missions trip to China in the very early days when it just opened up back in the 80s. We baptised people in the hotel bathtub. Um, I've baptised people in oceans, rivers. You know, we've had in my church, we've backed up the portable hot tub and we've had to pull some of the kids out of it before the, the church started. Um, we've we've had the the blow-up things in our my current church, which meets in the in a in a village cinema, so we've got the blow-up one that comes in there and is filled up. I mean, 
yeah, there's there's just an incredible amount of variation, and and you're right, it doesn't it doesn't matter where, um, it just matters that you're doing it. Uh, there's issues, and we, we might discuss this, and listeners might have their own comments. Uh, the idea too of uh, reverence for a baptismal ceremony, because. Uh, there's all sorts of different type of uh, baptism moments that you might be able to remember. And as you say, Brendan, you know, baptizing someone in a bathtub in a hotel room or in a swimming pool, I mean, these these are actually fun activities. There is a seriousness to the declaration, but uh, I've been at baptisms where kids have uh, have uh, slid down a, a slippery slide into the into the pool for baptizing. So, you know, there's, there's something exciting about that sort of thing. So, yes, you can. I mean, let's let's talk about this. I mean, is this an opportunity to have fun and make this declaration at the same time? You know, there's a serious element to it, but um, but how serious do you have to be getting baptized? Well, I, I just got my mind spinning. We could, you know, go to Wet and Wild, and, and we could we could do mass baptisms on sure, and just having people come down the various slides. I think that's um, a great idea. <laughs> yeah, if we if we got into revival and we needed to have mass baptism, we could do that. Um, yeah, look, I think I think probably uh, there, there needs to be some seriousness about it, but then also there's a point of genuine exhilaration that people encounter in that moment. It's just, it's not hype. It's a, it's a spiritual encounter with, with God. Not, not everybody has it at that exact moment, but I've seen so many people come up out of the water with the Holy Spirit on them and, and just exhilaration all over their face. And I think we've just got to allow people to, to express it in whatever way suitable. Of course, some, some traditions and some people want a very solemn moment, but solemn doesn't mean spiritual. Uh, but if that's, if that's what works for you, then, then great. I think we just need to be aware that at the, at the essence of this, this is a spiritual activity where we're not actually in a swimming pool just mucking around having some fun. So, yeah. That's right. Your swimming pool has lots of uses and sometimes it can have a serious use of creating an opportunity for someone to make a declaration of their faith. Fabulous use of your swimming pool. Hey, just quickly before we take a break and I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation today and I am asking a controversial question on our Facebook page today. Should Christians baptise by sprinkling or full immersion? And That might create for some, some level of consternation or some level of doubt, but let's talk about uh, the sprinkling and uh, and baptizing babies. Sometimes we call it a christening service. Uh, what sort of thoughts do you have around the right and wrong uh, so far as sprinkling goes, Brendan? Uh, the the actual when, let me let me take a, a step back and just take you through very very quickly the the history of it. You know, the church was born in in Israel. And then expanded throughout the throughout the Mediterranean and through what we would understand as Iraq and Iran and northern Africa today. Um, a lot of those regions were were very desert regions. There wasn't a lot of water. So by the late mid three hundreds, they start they had water was a, a significant issue. That so to to do a full immersion baptism was was not practical when you've got limited water supply. So they started to do what's called sprinkling or effusion. Um, sometimes sprinkling can be seen as a derogatory term that evangelicals and Pentecostals might use, not deliberately. But 
effusion meaning to pour over. So it was. It came about as a very simple practical thing, which then got locked into tradition. Um, so I, I think that, that what we call the sprinkling, to me, is is it's it's okay. But if you've got the option for full immersion, and there's there's no reason I would say absolutely do that because that's the role model. That's the way that Jesus was baptized. That's the way the disciples were baptized. That's the way everybody was baptized for the first 300 years of the church. So if for me, I'm a bit of, if I can do it the way the Bible teaches, I'll do it that way. If there's a legitimate reason not to, then okay, we can look at that and, and work our way around it. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Dr. Brendan Roach is our guest. We are talking about baptism today and asking that question, am I ready to be baptised? Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 and you can respond to our Facebook post today at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Hey Brendan, let's take a call before we move any further. Let's hear from Jonathan who's on the line in Perth. Hi Jonathan, welcome. Yeah, hello, Neil. Hey, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on yes, baptism? Uh, it depends on the question, because am I ready to be baptized? Yes, we have to prepare people for them to be ready. Because the reason baptism is very important is uh, it's a, a symbol of death, burial, and resurrection. So if you are the Christian and you know that you are being crucified with Christ, then you have to go through that process to be identified with him, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So we should, it should be taught in all churches and people should be ready. And publicly, it's a public confession. Some people say declaration, but I think it will be confession because when you are going publicly, you are telling the world what I've been doing. I'm telling you today, I'm confessing Christ publicly to you that I'm a Christian. Wonderful thoughts, Jonathan. And uh, response from Brendan for Jonathan? Yeah, I, I think uh, declaration, confession, it's the, the, the same, I'm meaning the same thing there, Jonathan. We're talking about that, that public declaration. Uh, it, it is important, particularly in a post-Christian world that we live in, um, that people have a bit of an understanding what they're, what they're doing uh, when, they're, when they're being baptised. So that's an important part of people's journey is to learn a little bit about the faith um, and actually make it, as an important decision. Jonathan, thank you so much for your call. Just before we take another call, uh, this idea of preparation for baptism, this is a question that I think is important here, Brendan, because for some there's you know preparation classes that might be in the lead up to so that the individual understands the elements of what they are uh, making in that declaration. Uh, other times you might have heard of this, you know, there's baptisms going on and somebody says, does anyone else here want to be baptised? Put your hand up and come forward. So there's sort of no preparation in that. But what are your thoughts for uh, the amount of preparation required? Yeah, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we at ACTS, we've created the course, Am I Ready for Baptism? Uh, it's because there's, a, because there's an element where... Um, we, we see on the day of Pentecost where, where Peter basically says, hey, uh, that 3,000 come forward, be baptized, 3,000 people were to be baptized. But it was, it was different. That was, in the, that was in the culture and the mindset of 
people who are on pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship God and a huge expectation that Messiah was to come. So their, their culture, their history, their teaching, their background had prepared them for that moment. So you don't necessarily need a lot of preparation. Um, we've, the course we've developed, the first 15 minutes of the course, goes through the basics of what it's about. And then we have more teachings on different aspects, a, a total two hours. I think it's in, important. The most common comment I get from, from people when, they're, when I talk to them later about their baptism experience, they, get, they always go, I just wish I knew more before I got baptized. Now, we can all say that 20 years later, we know more and we would enjoy the experience a lot more. But we just need to have a basic understanding of what we're doing. We don't want to make the barrier high. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I understand that this is a public declaration. I understand now I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Great. Let's go forward into baptism. But not just, hey, who'd like a, who'd like a, you know, a coffee? Come forward. Yes. Um, there needs to be a basic understanding of what's going on. Okay, and you've mentioned you've got a free course. It's called Am I Ready for Baptism? And uh, listeners can access that free course at axx.global. That's the website for axx.global. You might like to take advantage of that. Imagine uh, your pastor and you come to him and say, uh, Pastor, I'm ready to be baptized. I've already done a course in baptism. I'm no, I know all about it. It would be a fabulous way to go. Let's take another call. Robert is in Perth in WA. Hi, Robert. Hi, how are you going? Very well. Robert, what are your thoughts? Um, first, the thoughts on sprinkling of water. Uh, I don't think that's really um, yeah, appropriate. I think it needs to be full um, baptism in water, like Jesus came up out of the water. So I really believe we need full immersion. And like even in Israel, there's so much water in Israel that, that they actually export it to other countries. So th- there's a lot of water there. And I just believe in this day and age, there's water everywhere. So we really need to be fully immersed in water. And I believe we need to repent before we get baptised. Good thoughts, Robert. What are your responses there, Brendan? Yeah, look, I I just want to talk a little bit about the repentance aspect. And um, because that's a really excellent point you've brought up, Robert, is is that when we see John the Baptist, you know, having a real go at the Pharisees who came down to be baptised, it was because baptism of itself, what happens first is inward repentance. So we we repent, we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. That's what actually cleanses us. That's what our salvation experience comes through. The baptism experience is the external washing, and so it's repentance first, and what's already in our heart, and then baptism is the outward public demonstration and expression of that. I think going back to the going back to the sprinkling, it's become a tradition that's very much associated with infants, and that's the problematic part for me. You need to make a conscious decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you can't do that as a baby, as an infant, as a toddler, as a small child. You need to do that as an as an you know, a young adult at least, so that you're understanding what you're doing. Robert, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our talkback conversation. While we're talking infants here just for a moment, uh, let's not write off 
the idea of christening that happens in so many of uh, particularly our more traditional churches because I'll get your thoughts here, Brendan, because uh, in some parts of the world, it's a very important thing to have a child identified with a family, uh, with a denomination right from birth. Uh, and I'm just thinking uh, in uh, in places like Egypt, uh, where uh, there are people who get a actual tattoo on them from birth, which signifies which side they're on. Uh, there's there's big issues around uh, this idea of setting a child aside. Perhaps what we call it in baptism may be a little bit uh, concerning. But what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think the what's quite often called um, christening. Uh, for the most part, is is infant baptism, but my understanding of and apologies if I get the fine nuances of this wrong, but my understanding of the Roman Catholic and the Anglican traditions here in Australia, at least, is that yes, that's it's a it's a dedication of the child for God. So in the Pentecostal world or the Evangelical world, we would have a dedication service. Um, there there is a lot more spiritual dynamics that goes on the Roman Catholic or an Anglican service. But in both of those traditions, they do require through the through a confirmation process that the child must eventually make their own decision to, to accept and follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. So I think that's an important part. So let's not write off the way that churches might bring people into the fold in fact, uh, when there's a baptismal certificate that's issued, uh, a child, when they see that, when they are older, and perhaps they've gone through that confirmation process, are able to identify with the fact that their parents had been a, a, in that particular denomination, and it does set a certain sense of identity uh, with that denomination. Brendan, just before we move on, and uh, I want to talk about some of the, you know, the less serious things about like what you should expect on the day you get baptised, but I did use the word sacraments in my introduction and uh, this is one of those things that we would recognize is something that Jesus implemented Jesus institutes it and we call it a sacrament uh, some churches have more sacraments than others uh, what are your thoughts on that word and just how significant those words might be for our Christian life yeah, I, I think uh, that we need to embrace the idea of a sacrament being it's a it's a spiritual part of our, our journey that can be part of day-to-day, or I could say devolved to day-to-day life. Marriage is one of the examples that comes to mind. It's a sacrament where the, a man and a woman joins together before for God and, and has their relationship recognized. It's a, it's a sacrament. It's something that we give and we dedicate to God. Um, communion is another sacrament, which is a critical part of our expression, and baptism is, is another critical sacrament that's part of our journey before before God. I think the we, we can sometimes, from a from a from an evangelical or Pentecostal world, we can be a bit nervous of that world, but word. But I think we should embrace the idea of this is a sacrament. It puts it up into this is a, a holy thing we're doing before God, which is I think a good reminder to have in the back of our head. And interestingly, as you say, uh, when you think of these important moments, and uh, you even referred to marriage as a sacrament, but then there would be an awful lot of, as you say, evangelical-style churches that don't actually see marriage as a sacrament, 
But then there are more mainline churches like the Catholic Church or the Anglican Church that would say marriage definitely is a sacrament. So uh, it, it tends to be that uh, post-Reformation, uh, two sacraments, the Holy Communion uh, and the Baptism became the sort of generally accepted uh, evangelical sacraments. But there are something like seven sacraments uh, going right from uh, this christening stage at the beginning right up to an extreme unction at the end uh, for some uh, organizations, for some uh, denominations. So uh, when we talk about sacraments, these are important things that we'd see as being implemented by God. Hey, let's uh, lighten up for a few moments here um, because I want to ask you about you know what happens on the day because all sorts of strange and funny things can happen when you are uh, on a baptism day and you've seen lots of things and we mentioned a few things that are a little bit humorous earlier but uh, you know just the clothes you wear these are important things to think about before getting baptized Brendan yeah I mean over the, over the years I've been to, to many baptisms taken many study tours to Israel and uh, if you go Jordan River Baptism site, they'll give you a nice thin white gown, which if everybody knows, you make you put white in water, it becomes clingy and see-through. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the the older Russian women that were being baptised there left nothing to the imagination, <laughs> uh, which was not a, not a pretty sight at the baptismal. So just be aware that white does become completely clinging and, and see-through, so always recommend that you maybe put a T-shirt or a rashi or something underneath and uh, definitely make sure that you're modestly dressed. <laughs> Otherwise, you could find yourself a little bit embarrassed. <laughs> That's right. And I imagine uh, bringing a change of clothes, uh, something that you can get out of the wet ones and into the dry ones later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, I've, I've been, caught out at least two or three times just a simple what we call now baptism hints bring a change of underwear you think about the clothes but you don't think about your necessarily to bring your underwear so you know you're going through a full immersion you're coming out soaking wet someone's generally got a towel to wrap around you and you get there and you suddenly go uh-oh i've got <laughs> wet underwear <laughs> Okay, look, I don't know if anyone has ever drowned while they've been baptised, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping it has never happened. But uh, you've got to be aware that if you are the person being baptised, uh, that if you're going under, sometimes uh, the person baptising you will lean you backwards and you'll go under and uh, you can get a nose full of water. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on how you might uh, approach the actual practice of being baptised like that? Yeah, I, I, it, it's it's funny. There's a lot of people who get very, very nervous, and you know, it's a, there's there's the the nervousness just around the water, um, water going up someone's nose, and and people forget to breathe, and and all these different things, and then people thrash around under the water. They never think they're going to come back up again when they've probably spent half a second under the water. It's you know, it's just. Take a deep breath. Hold your nose if you have to. It's okay. You don't have to look pretty for the photograph or whatever. Just be practical and just relax. Don't don't start going under the wall. We guarantee you no pastors going. We will joke about it that we'll hold you under until you you know become right with Jesus. But no, we'll lift you back up and just relax and enjoy enjoy the experience. 
Uh, so expect a light-hearted moment, a light-hearted quip that might come from the pastor doing the baptism. And, and even in the light-heartedness, that might just be a warning. Hey, uh, hold your breath here for a moment. Hold your nose because you're going under. Hey, let's take another call. Sean's been waiting patiently on the line from Western Australia. Hi, Sean. Thanks for waiting. Hi, Neil. How are you going? Good, Sean. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Oh, it was interesting you're, you're talking about this today. I was just looking at um, some baptism photos last night and uh, 23rd of July 1997 is actually when I gave my heart to Christ and um, got down on my knees and asked for forgiveness and asked him to come into my heart. Well, let me be the first to and say happy birthday. Is uh, You know, we talk about a new birth. Hey, it's your new birth birthday today. Well done, Sean. Amen. Uh, yeah, thank you, Lord. I um, Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, but I think um, definitely the biblical standard um, of full immersion, um, you know, the Lord sets a great example. And... I was thinking too, it is a state of the heart, isn't it? Like if we're christening or, um, you know, little kids or, you know, going through that ceremony with them, we don't know their heart. They haven't made that choice yet. So I think it's really important that each person makes their own choice. Sean, how old were you when you were baptised? 21. Okay, well, let's uh, let's bring Brendan in here. Uh, thoughts for Sean, but uh, perhaps if we can uh, focus sometime around the age of baptism, the uh, you know when how old is too old, how young is too young. What are your thoughts, Brendan? Yeah, I just uh, want to congratulate Sean for sharing his baptismal experience. It really is one of those events that stays deep in our hearts for a long time. Um, I think one of the most common questions, and it's a really important discussion to have, is around the age of of someone someone being baptised. Again, let me do a little a little history lesson. If we go back to the time of Jesus, about twenty five percent of infants died before they were five, uh, and that mortality rate continues on even in the world today, with some countries in desperate poverty still around twenty percent of infant mortality. You go up into the Middle Ages and you have different plagues. And in Europe, uh, around the time of the plague, 60% of, of children died. So this, this created a real atmosphere, a real question in people's hearts about, well, what happens if my child dies, um, you know, before they're baptised? You know, where does that affect their salvation? There's a universal Christian teaching that, that indicates that children live under the grace of their parents. So if, if the child has a believer as a parent, they live under that grace of God, so they're not going to be thrown into hell, not lose their salvation. They live under the grace of God until they're of an age where they can make their own decision. So that's a really, really important part. But we lost that around question what what's happening in around infant mortality what's happened to my to my child so that then even today pushes people to baptize infants and baptize children because they're wondered about eternal security so the first thing we need to be aware of is there's a grace that god places over the life of children who are part of a believer's family then we come to the question of when a child is ready and that 
That is a, a really challenging question to ask because lots of kids at a very young age, three, four, five, had clearly deep spiritual encounters with God. But there needs to be that process through lots of faiths and traditions, through Jewish culture. We see it with a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah. We see it in the Roman Catholic Church with kids being around the age of 12 and 13. So as a general rule, that children should come to some level of awareness and decision-making capacity around the age 11, 12, 13. Some children have deeply spiritual encounters and can be baptized a little bit before that, and some can wait. I think the important thing is that you make sure you don't force a child into being baptized early just because you've got some concern about their spiritual journey. Make sure they're, they're making a decision and that they will follow through and continue to pray and believe for that child as they're growing. Bring them up in the ways of the Lord and they'll follow through into baptism. Is it a fair enough thing to say, Brendan, a good conversation between parent and pastor over where they would see their child at that point before saying, yes, let's go ahead and have baptism? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all the way through our baptism course, there's, there's lots of areas where you might have further questions that... The number one thing is always go and talk to your pastor. Kids' pastors are great. They're, they're dealing with this question all the time. They, they're watching and seeing your child's spiritual journey and they're seeing how they're growing and developing in the things of God. You know as a parent how your child is growing and developing in the things of God. So have a conversation with your kids' pastor, your senior pastors, and, and just, just, be, just be patient. I, I would normally say... Most times I would, I would have said to a parent, let's just wait six months. Let's just, and, you know, they might be talking about a seven or eight-year-old. Let, let's just wait a little while. It's okay. Let's just wait. Um, kids are keen. They, they want to be baptized, particularly if they see one of their friends being baptized. They want to get involved as well. Just six months, 12 months to wait and let them see. And if the, and if the child is still saying, I want to be baptized, I want to be baptized, it, we've got to understand that quite often baptism can be quite often something else like kids normally do. They see something they want it. If, it, if that thought passes from their mind and they're not concerned about it anymore, then, then let it go. At the right time, they'll be, you can ask them the question. Fabulous, and thank you so much to Sean for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. In fact, let's take another call. Trish is on the line from Victor Harbour in South Australia. Hi, Trish, welcome. Good. I'd just like to give you, tell you about my experience as in baptism. Wonderful. Uh, I was... Um, I was. I went out to a. Just let me turn down the. Yep. Turn that radio down in the background, and uh, yeah. it's easier yeah. to follow your own thoughts. Yeah. No. I. I um, always thought I was a Christian, but then I heard an appeal at a church, and I went out the front and gave my heart to the Lord. I thought I did. I just said I wanted to believe, and uh, their response was, "Oh, good. We'll heat the water, and you can be baptised next Sunday." <laughs> and uh, the, I didn't have any teaching or anything, and. Uh, so everybody was slapping me on the back and saying congratulations and I thought, what's happened? Nothing's changed. Anyway, I did believe when I was about 23 and then I became a missionary, went out to Thailand and um, heard a message when I was 60. Heard a message about believer's baptism. And uh, 
I really felt convicted. The Lord was saying to me, it fulfills all righteousness. And so uh, at 60, I was baptized in the sea in Thailand <laughs> with a whole lot of Thai believers. Wonderful. And, uh, <laughs> so I just... just it emphasized to me the need to teach what is baptism, what baptism means before you baptize people. Wonderful thoughts, Trish. Uh, your response for Trish, Brendan? Yeah, I think that's, I, I love that phrase, believers, baptism, uh, because it's, it's, it's essential that we, we believe, you know, that we've accepted Jesus Christ. We, we might use the word born again. We might say we've given our life to Jesus. We might say we've said the sinner's prayer. Or ask God forgiveness, but it's it's in that process that is the first step. You can if you if you're baptized without being a believer, you're just having a bath. So it's really really important that phrase of baptism, believers' baptism, and and one of the things I want to bring out in the short time that we got left, baptism begins our discipleship journey. People might say, "Well, I'm saved. I don't need to be baptized." Baptism is one of those core elements. It's a really clear direction in Scripture to be baptized. So if we want to follow in the teachings of Christ, if we want, which is to become a disciple of Jesus, if be baptized in the name of Jesus means we are going to follow his teachings, we need to follow the simple, straightforward ones first, which is be baptized. In, in our world, we, we quite often resist that as don't tell me what to do. But there's a simplicity that I am going to give my life to Jesus. I am going to follow those teachings. So if we say, I'm going to only follow the teachings that I want, I'm not going to get baptized. That's a waste of time. I'm only going to follow this one or that one. That's not discipleship. You might be a believer, but you're not a disciple. A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who follows the teachings of Jesus to the best of our ability. And the first step in doing that is to follow the command of Jesus to be baptized. Well, thank you so much to Trish for sharing your story with us. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, there's a lot of responses too on our Facebook page today. And Adam says, I think the answer is simple when you remove the religious brands and what they do and replace it with what Jesus did. Now, he's responding to our Facebook question today. Should Christians baptize by sprinkling or full immersion? Uh, this idea of believers' baptism. And uh, there are some who are no doubt listening to our conversation today, Brendan, who were baptized as infants and, and asking the question seriously, should I be re-baptized as a believer? Uh, what are your thoughts for, for people who are confused about that? And, of course, this has been a very significant point of controversy throughout history of the church since the Reformation, uh, thinking of the Anabaptists, the re-baptizers, uh, because, uh, you know, that was uh, that was a point of contention. What are your thoughts for someone who thinks maybe I should be re-baptized? Yeah, I, I think we, we ask, we answer the eight most commonly asked questions and some of those in the, in the free baptism course, because they're important things to think about and talk about. So, uh, the, the question of rebaptism is is a really important but potentially simple one. If you're baptized as an adult, knowing what you're doing, you know, even if you're 12 or 13, 7 or 8, you baptize knowing that you're accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You do not need to be baptized again to become part of a new church or denomination because we are baptized into the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, not a denomination. We are baptized as believers 
and disciples. So we never ever need to be rebaptized. We don't we don't in somehow through our sin, through our backsliding, get ourselves in such a condition that we have to go through baptism again. So that's that's not that's not an important part. If you're baptized as an infant, you haven't made that decision as an adult believer to actually receive Jesus Christ and be baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. So people who've been baptized as infants and, and the, the family may be Christian, the family may have never deviated, that person may have never, ever deviated. But it's a, that's a really valid point where they go, I want to be baptized as an adult to say, I, as an adult, want to make this decision. Now, I think what's important in that conversation is that people don't, family members don't take offense as if it's some sort of rejection of the infant baptism. What they're actually doing is confirming the decision that their parents took for them, and now they're saying, as an adult, I want to be baptized. Just one more quick point, if I can get there, about rededication of baptism. Um, I rededicate baptisms when I do study tours of Israel. We go to the Jordan River. Now, that is what I call a rededication of baptized. We're not rebaptizing anyone, but we're, it's just a public declaration, almost like a renewal of wedding vows. It doesn't replace the first. It's honestly just a great spiritual experience to have in the Jordan River. Yeah, well, if you're on a tour of Israel and you're at the Jordan River and you think, well, I'd like to identify with what Jesus did in that uh, close to or that very location, the idea of actually being baptized in the Jordan might be a, a wonderful experience to have when you're doing that visit to the Holy Land. Hey, time is running short. Let's take one more quick call. Wendy is on the line from Penrith in Sydney. Hi, Wendy. Good morning, and how are you? Very well, Wendy. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Okay, my thoughts are simply this. The parents of a child baptise the child, have the child baptised as a baby to bring the baby before the Lord, to look to bring the child up as as a Christian or going to be a Christian when old enough. This happened to me. When I was old enough, uh, quite some time ago, (laughs) uh, uh, as an adult, I decided that I wanted to be baptised and uh, take up what my parents had started. And I've always thought and thanked my parents uh, for baptising me because uh, I thought that this, this did help me to come before the Lord and to know him uh, more than I would if I think if I had not have been baptised. I think it puts it on the parents to bring the child up that way and then it's up to the child as they mature uh, to then decide what they're going to do themselves with Christ. Wendy, thank you so much for calling in and and sharing that because you're really saying that what happens when the child is a baby uh, is really something more for the parents who are bringing that child to the Lord for dedication and it's a commitment they're making to raising that child in the ways of God. Uh, just wonderful. Thank you, Wendy, for your comment. And uh, look, we are, we've run out of time here. Let me just uh, spend the last moment or two Uh, Just talking about this free course that you have on offer, Brendan, uh, Am I Ready for Baptism? How do people access that free course? So I've posted it on your Facebook page so they can go from there or if they simply type in ACTS, A-X-X, 
and uh, and just go to the the section which says free courses or courses. You can click on that, enrol. You don't need a credit card. You just put we we just need your email address and name, and you can go in. And it's great for people who are considering baptism or even people who want to have a think about some of those issues that we've been talking about. Did you say there's eight parts to that course? Sorry? Did you say there's eight parts to that course? How how long does it take to do? Sure. There's three main parts to the course. One is, the first part is two lessons on what is baptism and preparing for the big day. So that's about... Two lessons about ten minutes long each, and then we we uh, ha- then we answer eight of the most commonly answered questions. Some of them go for twenty thirty minutes, particularly around uh, infant baptism and sprinkling and immersion. We go into a lot of detail about that, and then we've created a couple of little short documentaries on at Israel around different sites, about five or six minutes long. Which, if you want to go even deeper to the history and the background of baptism, we we go and talk about them at the important different sites related to baptism along the River Jordan. Fabulous stuff. So I'll let uh, me point people to the website AXX. Just simply Google AXX. You'll find the AXX site, AXX.global, and uh, have a look out for that free course, and you might be able to either do that yourself or recommend it to a friend or a family member. Hey, Dr. Brendan Roach, founder and CEO of the Bible Teaching Ministry AXX, Axe, uh, Brendan, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. No worries. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 